And this is number three. And uh, we're going to continue talking about priorities. And as I said, you're going to hear at nauseum that, yes, everybody knows I went to Peru, right? Yes, everybody's familiar that I had an amazing experience when I was in Peru. And the Lord really spoke to me about priorities and getting things in order. And uh, I have been diligently doing that since the minute that I got back. Uh, we are getting all of our giving in order. Uh, I was able to send letters out this week to all of those that we partner with and just let them know that everything that we do at West Houston Christian Center right now is going to be about the harvest. Amen. 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 We are sowing into harvest, and we are sowing into ministries that specialize in the harvest. And that can be locally, that can be nationally. A lot of it is going to be overseas because, I mean, people, I saw 27,000 people come to Christ in a 10-day period. It's not hard. All we have to do is have the people and the resources there to do the harvesting. There's also discipleship, which is a big part of what the church does. We want to be a part of discipleship. So that's why you're here this morning. It's to be discipled in the things of the Lord. It's a discipline. Amen? Jeff and I have both been working out at the MAC for 35 plus years. You can look at Jeff and tell that he's been more disciplined than me at the MAC. Amen? I like pizza, and Jeff swore it off years ago. Jeff was the first one that said, Jack, have you ever put juice in your cereal and not milk? I never listened to another thing he said after that ever again. <laughs> totally lost me. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. We wouldn't, why, would, why would you ruin those, those, those Captain Crunch with juice? He wouldn't be eating Captain Crunch either. But priorities, amen, putting God first place. And the scripture that I've been using is in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much? All. all. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And that word acknowledge means I need to be able to discern Jesus in everything that I'm doing. Whatever situation you're in right now, whatever choices you're making, whatever decisions you're making right now, you better make sure that you can discern Jesus in it before you step out onto it. Peter waited for Jesus to say, come before he stepped out onto the water. Peter wanted to step on the water, but he didn't have a word of faith from Jesus to do it yet. He waited till Jesus said, come. The minute Jesus said, come to Peter, he discerned Christ and what he was about to do, and he stepped out onto that water. All I'm saying is that we need to discern Jesus in every single thing that we're doing and leading not to our own understanding. Leaning to our own understanding is one of the most dangerous things that we can do as a believer in the earth today. And I'm gonna show you a couple of very, very big glaring examples and how dangerous it is and the collateral damage that can be associated with leaning to our own understanding. So I want us to go to the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 27, if you brought your Bibles. And this is the account of Paul. You know, he knew that he was going to have to go to Rome. He knew he was going to have to go face um, Caesar. Uh, that uh, was what his final assignment was going to be. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just like throwing your GPS on, getting in the car, getting in a flight, you know, and leaving from, you know, 
Greece to Rome, uh, there were several voyages that had to be, take place, many boat rides, a lot of walking uh, before he finally got there. So in the midst of this journey, when we get to Acts chapter 27, uh, it says, beginning in verse 1, and when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship at, I'm not even going to attempt to say some of these names, at Adramontium, we put to sea, meaning all to sail along the coast of Asia. Articorus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. So all along now, you've got this journey that Paul is going to take. Does Paul have a word from God about going to Jerusalem, about going to Rome? Yes. God has already told Paul that that's what he wants him to do, is that he is going to go to Rome, and that's most likely where he's actually going to die. But he knew that. But Paul had already, already, had already died. Amen? Paul had already made up his mind that to live for Christ was better, and that he had already made that choice and made that decision. So I want you to go down to verse 7, and it says, When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off of Sinaitis, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off of Salomon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Heavens near the city of Lassia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, listen to him, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Now, I want you to understand that Paul was perceiving that their ship was about to have calamity, that if they were to sail right now, that they were going to have destruction. And that destruction was going to be so bad that it was not just going to cost them the ships and their goods, but it was going to cost them their lives. Did Paul have a word from God? Yes, he did. God, he had pre-knowledge of what was going to happen. Paul was leaning not to his own understanding because Paul acknowledged God first. God, see, Paul didn't get on the ship and then ask him, what do you think, you know, God, now will you just protect us when we go? We have to be really, really wise about that, about starting our own voyages and starting our own journeys and getting halfway and then asking God to bless it. A lot of us get frustrated in faith with that because we'll just start doing something and then we're like, God, this is what I want to do. I just want you to put your blessing on it. It doesn't work that way. We have to spend time in prayer first. We need to get the knowledge first before we even get on the ship. If you've already gotten on the ship and you haven't asked God what His will is, then I'm, you're heading to shipwreck. Amen? You don't want to date somebody and then start marrying this somebody and then ask God to now bless that marriage and hope that it turns out okay. You're heading to shipwreck. You need to pray first. Amen? We need to seek God what? In all our ways? What? We have to seek Him first in all of our ways. Not just the things that we want Him to take care of for us. So, all of a sudden, Paul tells this centurion, and Paul tells that this captain of this ship, look, if you guys leave now, we are going to have a complete and total catastrophic failure. We're going to lose the ship. 
We're going to lose all of its goods. And guess what? We're going to lose all of our lives. But you know what? They were standing on the dock that day and it was a beautiful sunny day. And there weren't any storms at all at that moment. And they were standing on dry ground. I want you to notice how sometimes faith is going to sound foolish when you're standing on dry ground, but when it's sunny outside. It doesn't make sense. I want to lean to my own understanding. But Paul, look, it's a beautiful day. Paul, look. Now, this is what the centurion says. Paul did what he was supposed to do, but this is what the centurion and this is what the man that owned the ship said in verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable for winter and the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards them southwest, northwest, and winter them. Now stay with me in verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. Now I want you to notice... All of a sudden, Paul had a word from God. He told these men what was going to happen. God had put in God first place. Paul had put in God first place. Nevertheless, the centurion and the helmsman, all of a sudden they came up with all of these reasons why they should leave. Well, we can't harbor here. Well, it's not big enough. Well, there's not enough food. Well, there's a better place over there. What did they start doing? They started leaning to their own understanding. I can hear that captain looking at Paul saying, Paul, how many ships have you sailed? I'm the captain of this ship. Do you know how many times I've been out there on that ocean? Paul, come on, Paul, Paul, come on, Paul. Look, you might be really big with the Jews and everybody, but I'm the captain of this ship. I understand currents. I understand weather. I'm an expert. Folks, beware of the expert. How many experts did we have three years ago? How many experts about what was happening in our nation with all of these different things to all to be proven wrong at the end? Just because someone has a lot of acronyms at the end of their name doesn't make them an expert. Now, all of a sudden, this captain and this centurion were leaning on their own understanding. They came up with all of the excuses as to why this ship, why they should go, but then here's the part that gets us every time. Verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire putting out to sea. All of a sudden, there came a little confirmation. I am leaning to my own understanding. And now all of a sudden, Paul, when I got up this morning, I felt that soft little breeze. And in my mind, that was the world telling me, you know what? We're going to be okay. See, I got a little confirmation. I went and talked to a bunch of my friends, and they all agreed with me. And because all of my friends agreed with me, I got a little confirmation of what's getting ready to happen, Paul. This is what happened. Can I continue reading? Verse 14. But not long after a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. Everybody say Eurachlodon. Eurachlodon. 
So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. Pastor, what are you talking about this morning? You rocklodon. I'm here to say that when you put God first place and you put him at the beginning and not the middle or not the end, that what you start in faith and what you start in the spirit, you will finish in the spirit. But when you lean to your own understanding, when you start listening to a whole lot of other people about what you think you should do, when you start looking for multiple confirmations from multiple people, you think you're getting that soft, gentle breeze of confirmation. But that is the outer bands of Eurachlodon. You know what Eurachlodon is? It's a hurricane. And that very thing that you're looking at as confirmation is the outer bands of the worst storm that's ever touched your life. But because you lean to your own understanding, now you are subject to that storm. Do you see how important it is to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts? To lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. How many times has Eurachlodon showed up because we lean to our own understanding and the hurricane force winds comes into our lives and it is destructive and it is the biggest mess you could ever imagine. Why? Because you thought that soft little wind of confirmation you got from a friend or you went and got a prophecy was not the soft, gentle wind confirming what you're believing for. It's the outer winds, outer bands of a hurricane that is tailor-made for your life. You see how dangerous it is when we don't put God first place in everything that we do. They had so many reasons and signs that they should have pressed forward. See, they started trying to use earthly things to confirm that Paul was wrong in the spirit. See, here's all the reasons why you're wrong, Paul. Here's all the reasons. Number one, I'm an expert. Number two, this is my boat. Number three, I don't want to stay here anyway. Isn't it funny how we mask what we really want and we, we frame it as caution of why we don't want to do something, but in reality it's self-preservation. I just don't want to mess with any of that. But it sounds good. Anybody dealing with Eurachlodon in their life right now because you lean to your own understanding? We signed something we shouldn't have signed. We bought something we shouldn't have bought. We married somebody that we know we shouldn't have. Listen to me. There is no biological clock in the Bible. Quit using the most beggarly as elements in the earth, money and time, to make your decisions. Those are the base elements, beggarly elements that are in the earth. They're the least things in the earth, but we use those two things to make all our decisions. And we want to hurry up. We want something. We're willing to lay aside all of the signs that tell us, well, I shouldn't do this. There's no way I should do that. There's no way I should do this. And all of a sudden, somebody will say, well, what do you think? Well, yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. And that great idea, the other side of it is Eurachlodon. And it's a hurricane. And it's made to be destructive. Let me give you an example of it. Go with me to the book of Genesis. Isn't it amazing when Eurachlodon hit, Paul didn't sound so crazy anymore. Isn't it amazing? All of a sudden they started listening to Paul 
once they got into the storm. And because Paul put God first place, because Paul honored God, God even changed the judgment because of Paul. Because now Paul was able to go to that ship's captain. Because they, they were in this storm for weeks. Say weeks. They were on a ship in the middle of the ocean for weeks with, with no sunlight. It was pure darkness. They're in the middle of a hurricane. They haven't eaten. Everything is falling apart. The centurions are even talking about, we need to kill all the prisoners just in case they, they, they can try to escape. <clears throat> but because Paul went to God first, say, put God first. We have got to put God first in everything that we do because Paul honored God. God changed the judgment from costing everybody just the ship and their lives where they only lost the ship. And not one person lost their life. Do you see the collateral damage when one person puts God first and the other person puts their understanding first? When one person puts God first, they have the ability to save everybody with them. When they put understanding first, it has the ability to kill everybody and take everybody with you. I'm preaching to somebody today. There is somebody in this room and you're getting ready to make the, one of the biggest decisions of your life. You be, make sure that you have confirmation from God about what you're getting ready to do and not just the confirmation of a friend or somebody. Because you think that soft, gentle wind of confirmation is God saying, yeah, yeah, you just keep stepping out and do it. But in reality, it's a hurricane. I thought I would have a different response this morning because you're totally looking at me. <laughs> Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Am I helping somebody this morning? Now let me show you one of the biggest examples of this in the Bible. Go with me to the book of Genesis. I'll show you just how big and bad Eurachlodon can be. Genesis chapter 15. Beginning in verse 4. Actually, this is just the whole story of, of God promising Abram that he was going to give him a son. Let me start in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall be, not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside, and he said, Look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. So all of a sudden, Abraham and Sarah have a word from God, yes? They have faith, right? God has spoken they believed it. What was God's promise to Abram? He promised him a child. And where was that child going to come from? That child is going to come from you. It's not going to be your second cousin from Conroe. It's No, no, it's going to be, it is going to come from your own body. So now this is something that has started in the spirit and started by faith. Yes? They sought God first. They did everything right. So now a little time goes by 
And so you go from Genesis 15 to Genesis 16, 2. Actually, let's go to 16, 1 and 2. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. All of a sudden, they took something that they got by faith, and they leaned to their own understanding. All of a sudden, Sarah tried to figure out in the flesh what God was trying to manifest in the Spirit. And the minute she did that, she came up with this brilliant idea. She said, you know what, God? This is probably how you're going to do it. Here's what I'm going to do. I've got this Egyptian maid. She's a really nice girl. Makes good biscuits. Abraham kind of likes her. Here's what we'll do. I'll take her into my husband, and I'll be there, but I'll let her impregnate her, and I'll just pretend like it's my child because she's my maid. Doesn't that sound good, God? That's got to be how you're going to do it, God. All of a sudden, now listen to me. You get a word from God. We start leaning to our own understanding of how this is going to happen. Remember where we are, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they get thrown into the fiery furnace for? Not worshiping what specifically? He had made a golden idol, right? He had made a golden idol. And he told everybody, when you hear these trumpets, boys, you drop to your knees and you worship that idol. This is what you're going to do. Where did the king get that idea? Back up one chapter when Daniel is prophesying about all the kingdoms, and he looks at that king and says, you, O king, your kingdom is gold. Because he, he, <laughs> a spiritual man gave somebody with no spiritual understanding something in the spirit, and he tried to understand it in his flesh. Therefore, he thought he needed to make a golden idol as representation of what God had prophesied to him. He didn't understand because he didn't have any spiritual understanding of what Daniel was talking about. That's why you be wise about what you give spiritual things to. When you give spiritual things to unsafe people, they don't understand them. And they will lean to their own understanding, which is what this king did. And he built this giant idol made out of gold and said, you'll bow down to it or you'll die. Now, jump back up with Abraham and Sarah. They had a word from God. They lean to their own understanding. And then listen to what Abraham said. Look at verse, verse 2 of 16. It says, So Sarah said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Okay, here we go. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. There's that small gentle wind of confirmation. Abram, I'm getting ready to do something stupid. And if you'll just agree with me. Now, okay. Men, your wife comes to you and says, I'm giving you permission to sleep with the maid. Use a man. It's her idea. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's God. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's God. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be God. He could have shut the whole thing down right there. But they leaned to their own understanding, and they let this thing happen, and guess what? That gentle wind of Abraham just agreeing was Eurachlodon. And that Eurachlodon came in the form of an Ishmael. And that Ishmael caused Abram and Sarah not to hear from God for 13 years. And we are still dealing with the after effects of what they did between Isaac and Ishmael. Do you see how dangerous it is when we start something in the spirit, a faith project in the spirit, and we try and complete it in the flesh? Do you see how dangerous that it can be? I don't have time for Eurachlodon. I don't have time for Eurachlodon in my life because it is a long-lasting, powerfully winded storm that doesn't just go away. There are complications and there is collateral damage. Amen? Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First and foremost, do not look for earthly confirmation for spiritual things. If you get a word from God, confer no more with flesh and blood. If God tells you to do something, don't go around and try and get a whole lot of people to agree with you. That's like people that come to church and they ask you to pray with them. Then they go to the next person, will you pray for them? And then will you go, will you pray for them? People think that their answer is going to be in the abundance of prayer, not the faith put into it. You get a word from God, you confer no more with flesh and blood. God has already told you what you're supposed to do. Why in the world are you going to go look around and ask somebody, well, what do you think? Because guess what we all think? We all have our own opinion. But we're all in different stages of the river. You're in a different part of the river than I am. So what looks good to me over on dry ground... You're going to drown where you are. What is started by faith will only come to manifestation by faith. The only way your faith project is going to come to manifestation is if you stay in faith until it manifests. You cannot start something by faith or in the spirit and end it in the flesh. It will not come to pass. You cannot make it come to pass of your own will. It has to be done by faith. What is started by faith will never come to manifestation by the flesh. What started off as what should have been an Isaac ended with an Ishmael because they started in the spirit and they ended in the flesh. But I got good news for you. What is started by faith, stay with me, what is started by faith can take dominion over the flesh. When Abram and Sarah got right with God and they did what he told them to do, by faith it superseded the fleshly limitations of her number one being 100 years old and number two, she couldn't have kids under the best of circumstances. But because she stayed in faith the second time and didn't lean to their own understanding, that faith totally took dominion over that situation and she was able to have a baby at 100 years old. 
If you will stay in faith with what you're believing for, your faith will take dominion over all of the circumstances and all of the little things that try and come up before you. What happens is, is when those things come up before us, we all of a sudden want to start leaning to our flesh. We want to start dealing with this stuff in the flesh. See, I didn't come in here last night and pray to take over your flesh. I came in here last night and took authority over the spirit. Whatever you start by faith, this is wonderful news, whatever you get by faith is yours forever. No one can ever take it from you. No one could ever take Isaac from Abraham and Sarah. They couldn't take him. Why? Because that was their faith project. They believed God. They walked through it. They had him. And Isaac, to be real honest with you, had a very, very uneventful life. Of all the patriarchs, he didn't do a whole lot. But it wasn't about him. It was about that heritage of faith of getting it down to the next bunch and the next bunch and the next bunch. You have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. One of the hardest things as a pastor is when someone comes into my office and tells me what they're going to do. It's hard. Pastor, this is what I'm going to do. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Why, why are you telling me? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, this is what God told you to do. Are you looking for my approval? Are you looking for my confirmation? Now, this is where it gets kind of odd in a pastoral body relationship because you can look at me and say, well, who do you think you are? Like, why do I even need to come to you and ask you about anything part of my life? Well, because we're shepherds that are put in your life to help you in that way. We're a resource, but we're not looked at at resources anymore. We're just looked at as feeders. My job as a pastor to most people is just to feed you. But we're a resource as a shepherd. There are certain anointings and gifts and graces that come upon us as your pastor to help pray with you and believe God with you, not to tell you what to do. I'm trying to figure out what to do for myself. Let alone try and tell you how to run your life. I don't want to tell you how to run your life, but I will tell you what the Bible says, and I will tell you what works, and I will tell you that if you're trying something that's been tried a thousand times and never worked, it's not going to work. But pastor, this time it'll be different. How many times have we heard that? Nevertheless, I love you. It is really odd in here right now. I'm just going to be really honest with you. You're looking at me, sharpening your knives. No. I don't want your rock LaDon in your life. And the whole purpose of today was to share with you, to put God, make him your priority. Amen. Don't ask him just to bless your mess. Ask him to, at the beginning, before you do anything, put him first place and let him guide you. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand to our feet. We don't ever like for a service to, to end, and I, I didn't do it last week, but yes, I got to receive the offering. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. Okay, sit back down. I did the offering at the end because I want to show you the continuation of that verse in Proverbs chapter 4. I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 3. Go with me to Proverbs 3, and the ushers, you can start getting ready. This won't be long. Thank you, Virgil.
Putting God first place. Amen? So, beginning in verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, He shall direct your paths. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. How many of you agree with everything that was just written and said? Every word. Okay, the next verse, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I want you to notice that when you're giving, God is not trying to fill his vats. He's trying to fill your vats. And when you bring of your gifts and your tithes and your offerings, go ahead and bring up the graphic. You know, we're believing God right now for $30,000. And I just want to give God praise. Can we ready to do a little praise dance? Here it comes. This is what came in last week towards our project, phase one of our project. It said of our goal of $30,000, we had $2,400 come in last week. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor, why are you excited about it? It was only $2,400. Folks, quit looking for one check to fix everything. God is not Santa Claus. Sometimes it's in the fragments. Sometimes it's in a big gift. But any time that God gives or any time that God blesses us, I give him, I don't care if it was $1, I'm excited. Praise God. We are on our way. But we have ordered the air conditioning. Uh, that is on its way. We have ordered the lighting for the sanctuary. You're going to see a difference in here. But I don't want to rob you of an opportunity to have your vats filled. Amen? Uh, I am not just going to write a check and rob you of the opportunity of sewing into this. So if you would like to sew specifically into our building fund, just earmark that on your offering this morning. All of it will be set aside. 100% of it will go towards... What we're believing for, this is phase one, which is replacing the children's, um, uh, the, I want to say refrigerator, but that'd be a very expensive refrigerator, wouldn't it? With the air conditioner in the children's wing, and then also replacing the lighting in here. We're going to have LED lighting in here, which will make it substantially cooler. For all those with your holy fans, you can leave your holy fan at home because we're going to have some LED lighting in here, and it's going to help with air conditioning. It's going to help with the electric bill and all those. So these are good things. These are good stewardship things that we're doing. But I want to give you an opportunity to sow. If you're giving online, please, please designate that this is going towards that special offering. If you're bringing your regular gifts, tithes, and offerings, guess what? It's opportunity for increase. Amen? It is time for our vats to be filled. Hold up your offering. I want to pray over it. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for an opportunity to sow and to give. And Father, we plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over these projects, Lord, what you're doing here. Lord, I am not worried about it. We have just cast the care. We are rolling all the care, Lord, of all this over onto you. Lord, this is your church. And uh, Father, you didn't just pay it off just so that it uh, wouldn't have air conditioning, God. You, you, we fought the million-man army, Father. You paid this thing off. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, that we are trusting you, that we are putting you first place in these choices and in these decisions. I thank you for wisdom. Man, can I just encourage y'all? Pray for wisdom for Michelle and I. If you pray for us, please, please pray for wisdom for us as we're making these decisions and, and learning to seek God. Can I, I co we would covet your prayers. We need your prayers right now more than anything. Just pray for us for wisdom and for discernment 
and uh, as we are stepping out in some new directions. But Father, we thank you that this offering is blessed, that the people giving are blessed, though that you said in Malachi to try me now in this, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Ushers, go ahead and minister to the people. We're gonna throw that QR code up there again for uh, if you didn't get a chance to do it last week, if you would like to get involved at West Houston Christian Center. Folks, when we put a QR code up there, that doesn't mean take a picture of it. That means get your phone to focus on it and a little yellow window will pop up underneath, touch that, and then it will take you to the designated spot of where we're trying to get you. So many people were just taking pictures of it. And uh, that's wonderful, and, um, uh, but it doesn't do anything. But, uh, and I want to thank the ones that signed up last week, but a lot of you that signed up were people that were already currently uh, serving at West Houston. And I want to just say thank you to you for doing that. And, uh, but if, you, uh, if this is your church, can I just be real? I've been honest with you all morning, right? Have I been honest with you? I'm going to be honest with you. If this is your church, you should serve here and you should give here. I just don't have any other way of saying that. If this is the place that God has called you to be, then there's a supply of the spirit that you should bring. And uh, it is our time, it's our talent, it's our treasury. Thank you, Lord. So if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I wanna pray with you today. If you don't ever remember a time where you asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and be your savior, it's the beginning of a wonderful, wonderful journey. I know I keep picking on my friend Jeff, but Jeff knew me back before I knew Christ. And he knows me now. And there's a big difference of what God has done over my life over the past 32 years, almost 32 years now. I have the best life, not because I have money, not because I have an amazing smoking hot wife. She's cute, I like her. But it's because, yeah, okay. I was driving through the neighborhood going to make a bank deposit yesterday and there was a house for sale. And on the for sale sign, it said, I'm gorgeous on the inside. You ever seen that? <laughs> and I looked at that sign, I said, I'm gorgeous on the inside. You need to start seeing yourself as gorgeous on the inside. You're gorgeous on the inside because Jesus lives in your heart. Amen? So let's all just pray this prayer with me this morning. Pray it from, with faith. Pray it like you mean it. Just say, dear Jesus, I want to know you. I invite you into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me of all diseases. Deliver me from all addictions. Lord, give me a hunger for your word, a hunger for your church. I take authority in the name of Jesus and I break every soul tie in this place, unhealthy, unearthly and demonic in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we live under an open heaven at this church, that we know the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of another we will not follow. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.